Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Good morning, Joliet First. So good to see you. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you for that hearty good morning. Um, It's good to be with you this morning. I wasn't planning on being here, but we came back early from our hiking trip, which we had a great time. If you want to know anything about hiking in the future or uh, anything about climbing mountains, talk to the guy back in the sound booth. This guy is a stud. I don't know how to say it. He's amazing. Guy was climbing mountains when the rest of us were dipping out. We're like, we're going home and he's going up. So um, anyway, we had a great trip. Thanks for letting us go. And I'm glad I could be here today. And the reason why I'm glad I'm here is one of my best friends and one of our former staff members, uh, Seth Major, who was on staff here, will be preaching today. And if you don't know where he's been or what he's been doing, um, he and his wife, Ty, have been just killing it and doing amazing things in Peoria, Illinois, where they are planning a church. And I'm not going to steal his thunder today. But what I love is his heart and passion for God's kingdom and for lost people. And uh, they are now being a physical presence in a place where there was no presence. And uh, it's just fun to watch him grow and to learn and to teach and to take um, just a church that um, really had no, no place being there all of a sudden now has a place and responsibility within his community. And so he's going to share his story. Would you welcome back Seth Major this morning? Thanks. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with y'all. I'm going to go grab this music stand real quick. Um, but you all sent us from here. It's been one year. It was last July um, that you all prayed for us, and you sent my wife and I from here to Peoria. It's been a fun road. But if you have been coming around here for the first time over the last year, you probably won't recognize me, um, and that's okay, because I'm glad you're here. Um, and I want you to know that you're in a really safe place. I know the video uh, said it before, and the video was right, um, but I'd like you to hear it from a stranger as well, um, that uh, this is a safe place for you to, to be. Um, and, if, and if you're in the room, whether you've been coming around here for a while or not, at some point or another, um, you began a journey with Jesus. And you being in this room... Right now, this morning, wherever you feel like you're at in life, wherever, wherever you feel like you're at in this walk with Christ, you are on a journey. Just because of the fact that you're in here. Um, singing these kinds of songs and hearing these kinds of messages and things like that. And, and there's something beautiful about journeying. There's something beautiful about how our stories unfold in life. If we can apply the principles that we see in books and things like that. There's different chapters, there's different pages, there's different characters, there's different lessons that are learned, different adventures that people go on in stories. And you might be able to think of a time in your life where things got really rocky. And when I say rocky, I mean unexpected things took place. And what I have found, I've been walking with Jesus since 2005 personally, And something that I have come to realize is that there are some significant milestones, 
some significant benchmarks that take place in our journey with Jesus. But this is what's going on in that entire process. Something that I have found is that our most significant strides in our walk with Christ take place after we realize that it's not as much about us as we previously thought. That's a really wordy sentence. But this is what's going on there, and to really explain that, I want to just share a story that, um, that if you know me well enough, you know about my story from Haiti. I've shared it here several times before, but I can't stop talking about it, so I'm going to share it again. Um, essentially, in March of 2012, I went on a mission trip to the country of Haiti with some of my peers from college. It was a, it was a college team, and, and we went to Haiti. Now, this for me was a lot of firsts. Aside from Canada, I had not been out of the country, um, so I was off the 48, right? Um, I was out of the country. I was in a third world country, and I hadn't seen the church outside of the United States. And that was really profound for me because I was raised in the church, and I, I was a part of the church, um, and, but I, I had not experienced that expression outside of the United States. And so to see the expression of church in a country like Haiti, which was at the time only two short years removed from a catastrophic earth, earthquake, um, just shook the city um, and, and really, really damaged it. I mean, really damaged it. And so I saw a lot, and I saw a lot of poverty, poverty I'd never seen before, and I saw hunger like I'd never seen before. I also saw a fire and a passion for Jesus Christ like I had never seen before. And that was a really interesting thing to see in a country where there were not a lot of physical things. Are you with me? Where a group of people gathered in a room with nothing, and yet they were more on fire for Christ than I had ever seen in a nation that had a whole lot more stuff. A whole lot more stuff. And so I go into that trip wanting to work for Sports Center. And I come out of that trip wanting to go into ministry. Now, it's a really cool story. The first page, ESPN. The last page, ministry. And so when people were reading the last page of the story, they were like, oh, ministry's awesome, and we're so glad that God's calling you, but I want to walk you through the pages in between the first and the last page of that story. What was going on between the pages from the beginning to the end, happy ending for sure, but what was going on in the middle was a whole lot of confusion. And what was going on in the middle was a whole lot of discomfort and pain, not because of the physical conditions, but because there were things going on in my mind that had never happened before. I had an entire life of this one passion, and then a little seven-day mission trip completely flips the script for me. I mean, just completely flips the script. And what I had in those pages between the first and the last page was really an easier way to say what this sentence is, and that's what I want to say. It's not just about us. What I had to learn in Haiti was that it's not just about me. It's not just about the plans that I had. It's not just about the purposes that I had. And some of the most significant milestones in our journey with Christ happen when we realize it's not about us. Kind of a hard pill to swallow this morning, right? But I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you this. 
Can you think of a person? Can you think of a church? Can you think of an organization? Perhaps this is your own story where you or someone you know or an entity or a church made a decision that it wasn't all about them and after that decision, things really started taking off. Maybe you can think of such a time and I think if you spent enough time trying to think of an answer, you could think of an answer because this is the pattern that has been set into motion by the creator of the universe, by God, by the person who created you. This is a little bit of theology this morning, but we believe here, you know, us Looney Tunes, right? We believe that before there was anything, there was God. In the beginning, there was God. There was God, and then there was void. Darkness. And if you were open the first page of your Bible, you would see a story of a God creating. But what's taking place with the creation of atmospheres and, and plants and animals and eventually humans, what's going on there is, is not just stuff getting pulled from nowhere. Because if there's nothing there, there's nothing to build with. Are you with me? You, you can't build a tower without something. You've got to have metal or concrete or something, just something. But what God is doing, since there's nothing, is he's giving up of himself in order to create. These are one of the things that we believe. Before there was anything, there was God. And then there was stuff. But what's happening in that moment is God giving up of himself particularly when humans come about, Adam and Eve and others, to create Adam, God actually breathes himself, kind of a weird mystical thing to think about, but God is breathing himself into Adam. And he's giving up of his own breath, his own being, in order for something else to happen. Now, this is an expression of perfect love, and so what I'm not up here saying is that God had a moment where he said, it's not all about me, so, so I'm going to create. That's, that's not what's going on. This is God in perfect love. So what we can do is what we can say when we are behaving in perfect love, we're doing things like giving. We're doing things like forgiving. We're putting forth effort. We're putting forth energy. We're giving up of ourselves. These are all things that point back to it not just being about us. Because for you to have to forgive someone, think about the last time you had to forgive someone. Think about the last time that you didn't want to forgive someone, but then you eventually forgave someone. That never feels good, right? That's never a smooth process. I understand that you guys have been talking about forgiveness lately. That's not like just a habit that we have. Oh, you deeply hurt me and affected my self-esteem, but you're forgiven. That's not a very easy thing to do. But what you have to do in that moment of forgiveness is say, it's not just about me, it's also about that other person. And it's also about the life that God is calling me to step into. And so for you to forgive and extend grace and to, to give effort and to give time and to give energy and finances... This is you saying repeatedly, it's not just about me, it's about the bigger thing. And so I want to tell you a story of a church. And this is really where our church plant begins. 
1945. A lot going on in our world in 1945. Um, but in Peoria, Illinois, which is just a couple hours down the same river that Joliet's off of, there was a church called Peoria First. Joliet First, Peoria First. You with me? Peoria First was a church. And in 1945, they realized that it wasn't just about them. So, they started a new church. And this is where I get excited, because I like church planting and, and things like that. And so, they plant a new church, and they planted this church, what was then the north side of the downtown area, Peoria Northside Church. They planted this church, and they met in someone's home for a year, and then they grew, and they outgrew the home, and so they went down the street, and they bought a little piece of land, and they built what is now a storage shed, and that was their church, a room that is a fraction of just the size of this platform was where the sanctuary was, the, ki- the children's ministry was. This is where the youth ministry was. If they had some kind of a food or clothing ministry, this is where it was. It all happened in a room which is now just big enough to hold aluminum folding chairs and two-by-fours and light bulbs. You talk about it not being about you, meeting in what is now a storage shed. and So they grow, and they're able to reach people, which is a beautiful thing, and so they decide to find a new place. They took the same plot of land. Back then, it was cheaper to dig a hole than it was to build up. And so they dug a hole and met for 10 years in what is now the basement of a church. You talk about it not being about you. Imagine walking up to a big empty field, a little hut the size of a porta potty. You open the door, and there are stairs, and you go underground. That is where they met for 10 years. You talk about it not being about you, meeting underground, not because they were persecuted, not because there was danger above ground. Aliens hadn't yet arrived. Um, they, they were just meeting underground. It's cheaper to do that. They still wanted to reach people that they weren't loaded with money, so they met underground. Ten years goes by. Now, we're in the 50s and 60s. And there was a lot that was going on in our nation in the 50s and 60s. I hope you know what I'm saying when I say that. A lot of cultural things, a lot of social things, some really dumb things. Um, It's the politest way to say it. Um, Some bad, bad things happening in the 50s and 60s. What was also going on in the neighborhood that the church was in was that the north side of the city was now turning into the south side of the city. Do you know what I mean when I say that? The neighborhood was starting to change. The north side became the south side because this is what was going on. These were the decisions that were being made. Churches saw that the community was changing, left the neighborhood. People living in the neighborhood noticed that it was changing, left the neighborhood. In that period of time, there were 12 churches in the vicinity only three of them stayed because the neighborhood was changing that much. Can you think of a place on the other side of the tracks in Joliet that might have that same story? If you were to open up the Peoria Journal-Star newspaper in the early 60s, 
you would have seen the headline that read this. Inner city church decides to stay and build. They saw what was going on in the neighborhood. They saw the people leaving. But they remembered that it's not just about them. It's about this neighborhood and the people who live in it. And so they decided to build and stay. So in 1967, they finally meet above ground. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And they tried to reach the neighborhood, and they, they, they met the neighborhood, and they grew, and they shrank, and they grew, and they shrank, and they have a history. They have a story, just like any other church. And now I want to fast forward to this last spring. In end of February, early March of this year, the few of the board members at that church had heard of a young church planting couple that was sent from Joliet to Peoria to start a new church. Didn't really know where the church was going to be or, or when. They kept saying fall of 2019 just because it takes about 18 to 24 months to plant a new church. There's this young couple there, and, and they thought what their sending church thought 73 years prior. It's not just about us. It's about the neighborhood that we decided in 1964 to stay in. And we still want to see something happen in this neighborhood. Now, other churches have left. Now, way more people have left. The north, the, the north side has very much become the south side now and the nuances that take place in the south side of a lot of our cities. And they reached out to this young church planting couple. And they said, we want to begin a conversation about you all doing your church plant here in, in our neighborhood, in our building. Long story short, a church that's been around for 60 or 70 years votes unanimously to close in order for a, a new church to open. Um, you talk about it not being about you. I can't say that enough. Are you seeing this theme over and over again? We have the first page and we have the last page. But what's going on in this whole storyline? It's not just about us, so we're going to build. Not just about us, so we're going to send people. Not just about us, so we're going to give money to a new thing. Not just about us, so we're going to close our doors so that new vision and new mission can come into this neighborhood. Really beautiful thing. So what that means for Reachway in Peoria, practically, is that we now have a permanent facility, which is insane for a new church to have. We now have a core group of people of about 60 or 70, and like 15 of those are kids, and it's awesome. Yes. Um, and we're going to talk about what our neighborhood looks like now in just a few minutes, but I first want to address the why. Because you might be thinking right now, Pastor Seth, I drove by four churches to get to this one. You might be thinking that. Um, you might be thinking, there are so many churches just in this neighborhood. Why do we need another one? Why close a church to open a new one? Shouldn't we just want to open another church and not close that one? Why give people? Why give money? Why make these decisions? I want to share with you a passage of Scripture. And it's from a, a prophet. If you're familiar with prophets in the Bible, a lot of the 
books that we read in the Old Testament, which is the first 60 or 70 percent of your Bible, is the words of prophets. But the words of prophets are really the words of God. In the, in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and others um, were people who heard from God, and then they transmitted that message to the people who would listen. Whether it was the nation that they were a part of, the village, the country, if they were traveling around, and God gave unique and distinct messages to these prophets to share with other people. One of those prophets is named Isaiah. And Isaiah hears from God, and, and then Isaiah gives this message. I want to put it up on the screen for you. It says Isaiah 49, verse 6. Just one little sentence out of the bigger thing. God, through Isaiah, says, It is too small a thing for you to be a light to those who do not already know me. I will also make you a light to those who do not yet know me, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. This is why we're actually called Reachway. You see that word reach in there? It's very hard to name a church, and I would not recommend it. But if you are going to, open up your Bible, find a cool verse, take a word out of it, and put the word way after it. And you've got yourself a church. So in the Old Testament, we read the story of the Hebrews, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, since way early in the book of Genesis, God's people. And what God is saying to Isaiah, through Isaiah, to the people, is that it's not just about Israel. It's not just about the people who already claim me as Lord. But it's also about the people who do not yet know me. The scripture uses the word Gentile, which means someone who doesn't know Jesus yet. It's not just about you. It's about the people who do not yet know God. That was the heartbeat of Peoria Northside. And I got to tell you, if you spend enough time with your pastor, you would know that that's his heartbeat as well. And that's my heartbeat as well. And that's why a lot of people don't agree with me. Because it takes a special way of thinking in order to get to a place where the entire mission and the entire focus is about the people who aren't there yet. But I want to tell you that the church is called to witness to another way of thinking. If we can speak objectively about what the church is for just a moment. The church for it to flourish and function at the scale that this church does and many other churches do, is that it's a nonprofit organization that is funded in large part by the people who participate in the ministries and the functions of the church. Does that make sense? You all, some of you give, and you give to the purposes of this church, and at the very beginning, it just keeps the lights on, right? But it also keeps moving forward the mission that God has given this church. And so that requires people to participate, follow in with the command that we have to give of ourselves and give of our resources. And so we give of our resources in order to to see churches like this go on. And so it would make sense for the church to be most concerned with those who have money. Because if our church is going to be any kind of a church and we need money in order for us to 
to get money. We need to find people with money so that they give us their money. But you cannot read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John for more than 90 seconds without seeing a story about Jesus caring so much about the wounded and the weary and the broken and the poor that it almost bothers you, right? Because that's not how we naturally think. Because you see, the church is called to be a place for the broken. The church is called to be a place for the hungry and the naked and the weary and the poor and the outcast and the refugee. The people who can't contribute. But we got to think differently, don't we, church? We got to think differently. Because God thinks differently. And he's calling us to think differently as well. Apple, the company, not the fruit, the company who makes the phones and the computers, they are not concerned with reaching a group of people in our nation who cannot afford the phone. Does that make sense? They're, Apple doesn't get up in the morning and, and say, man, how, we got to figure out a way to reach people who can't afford our product. They don't, they don't say that. But the church has to think differently than that. And where churches struggle and where we hurt sometimes is when we stop thinking like that. And we start thinking like Apple thinks and Microsoft and name your for-profit. We need to start thinking differently. There's another passage of scripture that I want to share with you. It's from another prophet. His name's Jeremiah, but I want to provide some context to this story. We're talking about thinking differently. We're talking about it not just being about us. The story of Peoria Northside, the story of Reachway Church in Peoria, the story of Joliet First as well. That theme weaves in throughout your story, where it's not just about you. So there's a couple of themes that pop up in the story of God in Scripture, and one of the themes is exile. Are you familiar with the term exile? Exile is when a people group are forcefully relocated. It's a nice way to say it. They're forced out of the place that they call home. And so the nation of Israel, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, are in exile a few different times. They're enslaved a few different times. They're oppressed for a few different times. And one of the more significant times in Scripture is when the nation of Israel is in exile in Babylon. Babylon is the name of an empire, and it was a bad, bad empire. Um, really mean and, and very oppressive. Very much a dark shadow. But what's happening in exile is, first, you've been kicked out from wherever you were, now you're working and living for people you don't want to work and live for, and you've got no way out, and you've got no other option. That's bad, right? We don't like that. Who would like that? And how would you think if you were in exile? I just want to get out of here. How am I going to get out of here? What am I going to do when I get out of here? Who got me here? We like to look for someone to blame, don't we? <laughs> Who got me here? It's their fault. I'm mad at them. On the front side of that 70-year exile, 
God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah and gives this word to the people who are on the front side of a 70-year exile. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Mary, have sons and daughters, increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have called you. Pray for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You just got pushed into a place you don't want to live, working for people you don't want to work for, having to like people you don't want to like, And God gives you a different way of thinking. He says, invest at where you're at. Don't worry about leaving. Have a garden and eat from it. Don't outsource your life. There's a word for international trade. Don't outsource. Invest where you are. Care about where you are. Seek the peace and prosperity of the nation that bugs you every single day. Because you're God's chosen people. And God cares about everyone. And if you're going to be a representation of God, you need to start caring about people outside of yourself. Otherwise, what are you doing? So imagine reading that letter before a 70-year period of not good. Don't worry about leaving. Don't worry about whose fault it is. Don't worry about how you're going to get out once you get out. What you're going to do. Stay. Invest. That piece about having sons and daughters, what's being said there is don't not procreate out of spite. Are you getting that? Like if you wanted a nation to suffer that needs people in order to thrive, you would just not make people, right? God says no. Be who I am calling you to be, regardless of where you are. Because it's not just about you. If you were to read the rest of Jeremiah, not the rest, but the following chapters, 30, 31, God unleashes this story of restoration. Chains being broken, cities being rebuilt, people being freed of bondage, wounds being healed, lives being made new. Have you heard one of your values here at Joliet first? Restore. And then at the very end of this vision of restoration, God says, no longer will people have to teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will already know me, all of them, from the least to the greatest. That is what can happen when a group of people decide it's not just about them. They invest, they stay, they help, they pitch in and seek the peace and prosperity of just where they're at. That's what can happen. That's what God can do with a group of people who think that way. But I want to tell you about the neighborhood that our church is now in. It's now considered the North Valley. It's now on the south side. My wife teaches in a different neighborhood. It's the south, south side. And it's the only neighborhood that's worse than the neighborhood that our church is physically in. And I got to tell you, any kind of strike against our neighborhood is the product of decisions that were made in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Are you with me? 
if you study cities at all, things don't just happen. Like, people don't just wake up and decide to live in one neighborhood and then be bad. Like, people don't decide that. But when there was a certain period of time where there were churches and people leaving and abandoning where they were, decades go by, and now you have south sides of Peoria, south sides of Juliet, south sides of Chicago. That's how you get these places, is the decisions that were made 40 years before. Are you with me? So we're in Peoria's North Valley. There's less churches than there were even then when the church decided to stay. There's less people living there and investing in that place. And over time, when there's less churches and less people investing, you're going to see hurt. You're going to see poverty. You're going to see hunger. You're going to see violence because there's not another option. You're going to see things that, that aren't our natural instincts, but it's the only way. Peoria's North Valley... Has a, has a park. It's called Morton Square Park. It's like a big grass, just a block. It's a block of grass. In the early 1900s, it was a botanical garden that you would have driven hours to see. The mayor of Peoria lived across the street from the botanical garden. Now that same park is where you go to get drugs. It only, it only took 100 years. Because people at a certain period of time did not remember or did not have the call, did not have the urge. They were not a part of an organization that was thinking about the peace and prosperity of the place in which they were at that time. And so then you get a south side. Now, we're in Peoria's North Valley in a half-mile radius of our church. Building, half-mile circle live 2,300 people. 850 of them are school-age children. The median age is 27. The median household income, not individual income, household income is $22,000. No one's going to church, because why would you? Yeah, there's brokenness. Yeah, there's poverty. 40% live at or below the poverty threshold. But I got to tell you what I've learned about poverty. Is that the regulations that the government sets as what it means to be poor and kind of where the line cuts off with food stamps and stuff. If you've, if you've been a part of this world, you know what I'm talking about. The cutoff line is so low. Like, to be, at, to, to be a mark above the poverty threshold, you're not sustaining the life that your outside culture is wanting you to sustain. It's not happening. You make $10 an hour, you're above the poverty threshold. $10 an hour ain't getting you much. Particularly if you're a single mom. And so you have Peoria's north side. So I kind of want to sum up everything we've talked about. I want to sum up your story, perhaps, of that moment in time where you realized it was not just about you and then things took off. I want to sum up, perhaps, the story of this church long before these days. 
I want to sum up the story of Peoria Northside. I want to sum up the story of Reachway Church. I want to sum up the why behind church planting. The why behind closing churches. The why behind um, giving money and sending people and building new buildings and things like that. To sum all of that up, and as a response to that, I want to give you just this little phrase, say yes to today's call. Say yes to today's call has three layers for us this morning. The first layer begins with you and your creator. So what I want you to know is that your creator, God, who showed himself to us on earth through Jesus, deeply, deeply cares about every single human being on this planet that lives now, has ever lived, or ever will live, deeply cares. To the point where God wants to walk with you in life. And he wants to show himself to you in life. And he wants to restore your brokenness. And he wants to make new what needs to be healed in your life. And that decision begins by simply saying, yes, I believe that that is the God that exists, and I want in. That's the first yes that I would say, if you have not made that decision yet, don't worry about the, last, the, the next two things that I'm going to say on this list. If you haven't said yes to Jesus yet, today is your day to do that. Today is your day to begin the rest of your life. Your life hasn't led up to this moment to stop here. This is where you begin the rest of your life. If you have not made that decision today, I want to encourage you to make that decision. Let Pastor Brad know. Let Pastor Jeannie know. Let someone know. I'm, the, the stranger's going to go back to Peoria, but then you got to come back here, and you got to be in community with each other. So if you haven't made that decision yet, I want you to know God is calling you to make that decision, and I want you to make it. This is a safe place to make it today. Now, for those of you who have made that decision, for those of you who would call yourselves a member of this church, a participant in this church, an active member in investing and restoring what you're seeing in Joliet, I want you to say yes to today's call of what God is calling you to do right where you are. I want you to know that sometimes the hardest moves that you can make are just a degree to the right or to the left. It's not, it's not this big of a move. You're right there. You just got to say yes to what God has been prompting you to say yes to for probably a while now, if we're being honest. Probably for a while now. How can you step into something new here at Joliet First? How can you step into something new, a new way to be the best neighbor you can be, to be the best coworker that you can be. I want you to say yes to that call. And if you're thinking of one, that's God talking, that's not me. If you're thinking of one right now, that's the Holy Spirit prompting you, you gotta say yes to that. And if you are gonna say yes to that, you gotta let someone know. And then you gotta be on a team, and you gotta be held accountable, and you need people around you to support and encourage you. Are you with me? Okay. Layer number three is I would ask you to consider supporting what we're doing in Peoria. You've already sent us and you've blessed us and you've encouraged us and you still encourage us and 
It's fun talking with some of y'all and keeping up with you on social media. It's been great. And we've got some beautiful memories here in just the year that we spent. VBS of 16 to VBS of 17. And now we're here VBS of 18. Um, you've, you've sent us, you've blessed us, but, but I'm going to ask um, if you would be led to go from this move with Jesus to the move of where you're at to now giving way beyond yourself that you would consider giving. Um, this is, these are some of the things that we have our sights set to. First of all, I don't, think, I don't even know if I've said this. We're, we're launching, we, our grand opening service is happening September 23rd of this year. A year ahead of schedule. God is opening these kinds of doors. I believe, we believe in Peoria, and, and I'm speaking about how awesome God is, and I'm speaking about the realities of that neighborhood and how there hasn't been much of a presence there in the church lately. I believe that in our first year, we will see 40 people baptized. I believe that. Not because, not because Reachway is the coolest church name, and, and not because of anything else, but, but God is relentlessly calling people to himself. And now there's going to be a church in the neighborhood who wants to see that happen. I believe in our first three years of ministry, we will see 150 people say yes to Jesus for the very first time. I believe that. Not because of any special thing that, that we're cooking up in Peoria, but because God is relentlessly calling 2,300 people, 850 school-aged children who need someone to care about them. I believe he's calling them. And I, and I just think God's going to allow Reachway to be a part of that. And I believe that God has already allowed Joliet First to be a part of that. And some of you have been a witness to it. What we're trying to do is raise money to sustain us for the first three years of ministry. And this is where it gets awkward and weird because we're talking about money, but I'm not caring enough or doing diligence enough if I'm not asking you to consider supporting us. So I want to show you this chart behind me. We're trying to raise startup costs to sustain us as a healthy, vibrant church for, for three years. $150,000 equals three years of full budgets for us, for where we're at, and for what we hope to do. And we have been asking churches, we've been asking family, we've been asking friends, we've been asking strangers who work in Peoria and whatever else to help us. We have just started making these asks. And each one of those boxes represents a potential gift or a collection of many gifts to fill one box or one gift to fill one box. And it equals what we're trying to raise over the next eight to ten months from now in order to see a healthy, vibrant, reachway church in Peoria's North Valley, reaching who we desire to reach, reaching who God desires to be reached. Um, a really easy way to give if you give online is to go to reachway.org. It's our website, reachway.org. There's a support tab there, and we can answer some more questions. You can reach out to me, ask me after service. Um, but we would love, we would love... Um, if you're called to and compelled to, uh, to support us how you can. All right, enough about money. Um, I want you to know 
that what you're doing on Briggs matters. I want you to know that just the, just the decision for your pastor to allow me to speak to you once again about what we're doing in Peoria, I want to know that, that this matters. You look around the room, you will see faces that haven't been coming through here over the last five, ten years. If you've been here for a while, I'm talking to you. This is what God wants, by the way. So don't stop. If Juliet first says we could use some help in the kids' ministry, say yes. Greeters, say yes. If you've got a musical gift that you want to share with your church, then start having conversations about that. Because what you do here for just a few hours a week impacts lives. And it impacts generations. And this church has already impacted a neighborhood in Peoria, Illinois, without even knowing it. So don't stop and say yes to today's call.